Lord Jesus, uh, we just, we need you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Jesus. And Lord, that we would all be faithful to prepare the soil of our hearts to receive your word, Lord, and that we would let it grow, Lord, including me. Lord, speak to us. That we would be like Samuel and we would say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Lord, that we would live this life according to your word, satisfied in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Just um, something Craig said reminded me of a really uh, funny joke that... Um, he said, you know, keep your ear to the street. And I, I was reminded of this joke where like this cowboy takes his son out and he says they're, they're walking in the desert. And he's like, son, there are things, you know, with his cowboy, but son, there are things you got to learn around here. And uh, and he starts teaching his son. And he said, there's there's certain skills that you could learn in the wilderness. And they come across uh, an American, a Native American Indian on the ground with his ear to the ground. And he goes, you see this Indian? Look at him. He knows what to do. Now watch him. And then they say, what do you hear? And he goes, big wagon, two horse, family inside wagon, husband, wife, three children, many things in wagon, go north. He's like, do you see that? This guy is using his skill holding his ear to the ground, and he's hearing that. So then the son walks over to him and goes, how do you do that? How did, how did you know all of those things about the wagon? How could you hear that? He goes, wagon ran me over half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> so, keep your ear to the street. And you might get walked on. <laughs> so we were tracking along and we started hearing about um, Israel's disobedience. So the Lord is letting us know before we get started throughout the whole book of Judges that um, this, is, this is about Israel's disobedience, but sometimes we forget and we focus on that. This is also about God's faithfulness even though his people are faithless, right? He tells us that in scripture. Though we are faithless, God is still faithful. Amen? I mean, we see that even at the beginning when, um, when he transacted his covenant with Abraham. Do you guys remember that story? The Lord is talking to Abraham and he tells uh, the Lord tells him, I want you to get these animals, cut them in half because we are about to transact business. And pretty much what that transaction means is if I don't keep my end of the bargain, let, then let my life be like these animals that we are transacting the business through with their blood, right? That's what God was saying to Abraham. God was saying to Abraham, I keep my promises 100%. I'm going to, we're going to do like this full covenant. And it so happens that Abraham is so tired, he falls asleep. And when he wakes up, God has been faithful. And he transacted the whole agreement while Abraham was sleeping <laughs> in a coma. That's our God. When he tells us, listen, I'm going to bring you through. 
It's not on your strength. It's not on your strength. Salvation is not on my strength. Do you know how relieving that is? I mean, we could just sit there and, whew, well, praise the Lord, I'm not going to heaven because of me, because we know where I would go to, right? It's not on their strength. So the Lord's like, listen, they were faithless, and I'll show you how I was still faithful while still being a good father. Right? What does a good father do for a child uh, that doesn't really want to listen, obey, honor, respect? You know, the father can still love the child, but during that time that they need discipline, that good father disciplines in wisdom. Right? Not in craziness. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, that was something my mother always told me. Listen, when you are a father, do not discipline in your anger. Cool down a minute. Discipline in wisdom. Ask the Lord for wisdom as you discipline, as you correct wrong behavior. Right? That's, that's what I mean by discipline. The Lord is trying to correct wrong behavior. That, that's what he's doing. But he does it in wisdom. And sometimes, like we find out in the New Testament, we don't like discipline, right? When the Lord takes something from me, and I've been naughty, and I'm still like, why'd you take that from me? And the Lord's like, because you kept sinning, and you were headed to your own demise, and I love you more than that. You know, my little brother once told me, um, God loves us enough to take us the way we are, but he loves us so much more, he doesn't want to leave us there as a dirty beggar. He wants to raise us up so that we don't make the wrong choices anymore. He wants to teach us so that I'm not found in the squalor, in, in the mud and the muck and the mire. He says, come on. I got a better life for you. And I'm not talking about like this type of life that the world or even some churches like to preach, like, oh, all wealth and shiny things. And no, you know what? I love Jesus. Hard times still come. But the one thing I hold on to is I know Jesus is with me. Like he said in the, in, through Isaiah, he said, listen, when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Though the floods come, they will not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. So what I took away from that a long time ago was, listen, sometimes the Lord wants me to walk through the flood and the fire, but he will be with me. And when I come out on the other side, people won't even think, you know, like those three Hebrew young men. I talk about this often. I love this story. They said, hey, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you can throw us in the fire. But the one thing that won't change is that we worship God alone, the one true living God. And then they say this, and this is faith. They say, our God can save us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, he's still my God. That's faith. The same faith that Job cried out in his anguish, and he said, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. 
God's hand is at your throat and you trust him? Why? Because you trust who he is. You trust his character. You know that he's a loving God. He loved you enough that he came in the flesh to save you. Think, it tells us, think of all of the troubles and anguish that Jesus endured for us from evil people. And you can be strengthened, carry on. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us the power that we don't have in us. So we see this, we see that um, the Lord is not just talking about their failures. He's like, look, they, they failed like this, but this is what I did. You know, and then we see that when Israel turned away, it says Israel did not listen to the judges. We talked about this last week. But prostituted themselves, okay? He's not, he's not talking, though literal prostitution was happening, he's talking about idolatry turning to another god like prostitution. Selling yourself off when you have someone that loves you. And instead you say, that's good, I don't care. You are betraying the one that you love. That's what he's talking about. When we start worshiping other things, even unknowingly, we are betraying the one that loves us, the one that takes care of us. We are betraying the Lord. That's the way the Lord looks at it. He looks at it like that. And he looked at it like that for Israel. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to God's, the Lord's commands. So we talked about uh, they failed to learn from the past. They failed to learn as the Lord taught them. They were like a mule that was blind and couldn't see the way they were being led. So they would just walk off somewhere else. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, so, he, so he's saying, listen, he did send people to, to correct them and to help them to win. Help them to walk in right paths. And, and it doesn't say he, sends, he sent like a whole group of people. This, like, look at this. When he sent a judge, he would send a prophet. He would send them a king. Or so one of the judges was a woman, and he would send one. Not because he's cheap. That's all he needs. He just needs one that is willing. He's like, the whole population could be unfaithful. I just need one. You know what my mother used to tell me? <laughs> I went to public school in New York City, right? Most of the time, I was the only Christian, only Christian. Now, I know you guys see the news and, oh, America's full of Christians. I don't know where they at. <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I knew another kid who was a Christian, and he was in another class. I mean, my, my school was huge. I mean, you know, my high school, when I went to high school, there were a few thousand people in my high school, right? 
I knew me as a Christian, and then a kid that I grew up with, he, he was in a class older than me, and he was a Christian. And then maybe I knew like a couple Christians peppered throughout those thousand that I knew of because we would go to church and we'd see, not the same church, we would go to different churches. And sometimes we played a basketball league and I'd meet them in the basketball league or things like that. So it wasn't like, you know, people are singing praise music in, in, the, in the school or anything. No, no, you know, but this is what my mother told me, David, when it's you and God, you're the majority. If God has sent you to do something and you are the only human there, but God is with you, you have won because you are in the majority. God only needs one that is willing. We see this in scripture over and over again. We're told in the book of James, and we'll, we'll flip to the book of James. James 5, verse 17. We'll throw it up on the screen real quick. James 5, verse 17, and it says this, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. None fell for three and a half years. Was it because Elijah was supernatural? He was half, he was half, uh, you know, for those of you that are younger, he was half Super Saiyan and, and half, you know, you know, Dragon Ball Z. No, nobody ever watched that cartoon? Neither did I. Anyway, um, he was half superhuman and, and half normal human. No, that's not what the scripture says. It says, Elijah was just like you and I. What was the difference between Elijah? Actually, there were three differences. He was willing, he was able, and he made himself available. Because sometimes you can be willing and able, but you're not available, right? We know that. I know that in, in church, right? We work on lots of volunteer, right? There are people that are able and available, but not willing, okay? There are people that are able and willing, not available. You know, like you go through this whole thing. There's, there are people that are willing and available. They're just not able, <laughs> you know, right? I'm like, oh, no, the roof fell in. I can help. I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, that makes two of us, <laughs> you know? So, but you, you have to be, you have to be able, willing, and available. That's what Elijah was. He was like, I'm a human. I can listen to God. Let's do this. See, because the Lord isn't really looking for like skilled people because the Lord's like, I will skill you as we go. That's what the Lord does. I will skill you as we go. And sometimes we're like, oh, you know, it'd be better if I was available when I was young. Hey, if you have that ability, that's great. If you're young today and the Lord is calling you, run to him and say, I'm willing, available, you know, and, and able. I'm, we got this, right? But if you are older, remember this that the Lord found Moses when he was 80. He came to visit him again. And he said, Moses, you're ready. And he said, nah, bro, I'm washed up. Those are, that's my own paraphrase version. <laughs> nah, Moses, come on. And what did Moses do? I mean, we read verse after verse where Moses is like, leave me alone. I'm happy with my sheep. 
watching my daddy, my, my father-in-law's sheep, I'm good. And, and in the translation of the Hebrew, he says this, go find anyone else. He doesn't even give the Lord a suggestion. Like, hey, I know this dude, he live on the other side of the mountain. He, he's really zealous for you. Go, go check with him. No, Moses was like, go find anyone else, anyone. Please, thank you. And that's why scholars believe uh, in that section, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Because he's like, Moses, <laughs> you, you wanted this. And then he kind of like was like, nah, this isn't for me. Because remember when he was 40, he was like, yes, the Lord's made me able. I'll save God's people. And then he tried in his own strength. And he ended up running away and hiding out for 40 years. Maybe that's your life. Maybe you tried it before. And, and, and for a little while, you've been hiding out. And then you hear the Lord calling again, and you're like, nah, I'm not living that again. No way. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I've been there. You know? I've been there. I've been burned in ministry over and over again, you know, in churches. And, and some of you guys may say, you know, church hurt me. Church hurt me too. But you know what the Lord kept saying? Those people may have hurt you. Forgive them but they are not me, right? Sometimes we're like, church hurt me, and then we walk away from the Lord, like as if the Lord's got anything to do with people's sin. And we sit there and we judge God according to how well we, including me, follow him, right? People are like, the church is messed up. Yeah, because you're in it, <laughs> right? And I mean that for everybody, <laughs> not just you specifically sitting there and I'm staring at you. <laughs> of course, because we're all sinners. And you know what's beautiful about a church that loves the Lord? We start allowing the Lord to change us. We don't sit there with the prayers, oh, Lord, change brother and sister so-and-so. We're like, change me. Help me. A lot of times, like when I'm teaching, I know your mind is going, man, I wish so-and-so was listening right now. This would be really good for them. But how about you? How about you? You know what the Lord's taught me to do? That even when I'm teaching, if something stings my own heart, that's for me. Right? So I have to teach the truth. Even if I'm like, well, I don't really like that one. <laughs> well, I'm not really living that right now. I have to go home and reflect and not just reflect, I have to live it, right? That I wouldn't preach and then disqualify myself. Disqualify what I've taught. No, I don't want to do that. Because once again, you, you guys, if you listen to me teach, you know, my mother has input a lot into me, right? She loved Jesus. She would tell me the truth. Yeah, I remember one time I told my mother, you hurt my feelings. And she said, looks like you need to man up. <laughs> oh, man, you got me. <laughs> you know, because I was using it to deflect the truth she was speaking to me. I know my heart. <laughs> heart is deceitful above all things, right? And sometimes we like to reject truth being spoken to us because we, and I've talked about, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, we don't like the way it came. 
But the Lord's like, pick up the truth. Pick up the truth. Might be talking about something in us. I mean, some of you guys have said to me before, oh, Pastor Dave, how did you know I needed to hear that? And I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you from his word. That's why I love reading his word. Because sometimes, you know, something sitting on my heart troubling me, or I've been thinking about something, and the scripture speaks into that specifically. And I know that the Lord met me. I know he met me. That's why I, I try to make a practice of reading God's word every day. Even if it's just a little bit, just a little bit. And sometimes I read it in the morning and at night and in between if I have some time. So, you know, I'm not saying, that, you know, if you're not doing this, you're naughty. No, I'm, I'm trying to give you, you know, life, life hacks, little tips, how to hear Jesus. Okay. So whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, a person who was willing. And listen, guys, sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm willing. But then we have our own idea of what we're going to go do. We have to be willing to live according to his word and do what he says to do. Not our own ideas. You know, I was once talking to this guy and this guy, man, he was, man, on fire. But I don't know what kind of fire he had in him. Because after I got to talk to him, it wasn't really Holy Spirit fire. It was anger. And he was telling me he was going to be one of those last judges in Revelation. He was going to be one of them. He was going to come with the spirit of Elijah and waste a whole bunch of people. And I'm like, <laughs> security. <laughs> he crazy. <laughs> you know, he was growing out his beard and everything so that he could look like a prophet. I'm like, this guy was, have you guys ever watched Bugs Bunny and any of the older ones? Bugs Bunny, this guy was Looney Tunes, man. <laughs> Straight up Looney Tunes, right? And, you know, we have to go with the scripture, what God is telling us to do, not our own idea and interpretation that we want, because our hearts are deceitful above all things. We lie to ourselves, and then the scripture says, but who can know it, right? And Paul answers that for us. That was Jeremiah who told us that the heart is deceitful, but then Paul tells us who can know us. His name is Jesus Christ. He knows us, and he can tell us, hey, that's not right. It's not according to my word. It's not according to my word, right? So then... It says, whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Hey, guys, just a like, quick tip. When you read God's word, you read the Old Testament, or you read of a story, instead of sitting there judging the person in the story, reflect on that. For the scripture is like a mirror, and it shows us ourselves. And I told you when I was younger and I hadn't done that many sins yet that I could clock, you know what I mean? 
I would read the scripture and I would sit there and say, look, it's stupid Israel. You can't get it right, can you? And then I got older and I was reading God's word and I said, look, it's stupid you. You can't get it right, can you? You are just like them. Because when we understand that there is a problem, we can go find a solution. Our solution is Jesus Christ. Our solution is Jesus Christ. And he gives us everything, every spiritual riches that there, there are. He can give us every, uh, everything that grows out of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm still working on that. You know what the Lord wants to teach us? Obedience. And a lot of people think that that means just submission to another. You know what obedience actually teaches us? Self-control. The ability to control myself and to deem what is right and wrong and I will follow what is right. That's what, that's what discipline brings us. It brings us a mastery of self. And I'm able then to say, and, and I'm still on this road. I'm able to then say, I am not doing what my flesh wants to do. I will do what is right before the Lord. And I'm able to have self-control. It means someone else doesn't have to control me. I don't have to be like a dog on a lead. The Lord can set me free and I know who my master is. You know, um, I don't know if any of you have ever had a dog but it's very nerve-wracking when it's the first time you're letting them off the lead and you're, you're like in a park and you're thinking, I hope this dog comes back. <laughs> and you let them off the lead and usually one of two things happens. Either they're confused and they won't leave you and they're just like, what is going on? Or man, they just test out their freedom. I remember, you know, I told you, I have a, I have a new dog, about a year we've had her. Uh, her name's Pepper and I let her off the lead at the park Man, she was, I've never seen a dog move so fast. She was just like, pshoof, gone. You know what she wanted to do? She wanted to go chase the geese. <laughs> She's little. A goose is bigger than her. She does not care, right? But then we were surprised when we said, Pepper, come back. And she turned and ran as fast as she ran away. She ran right back to us. And we were like, praise the Lord. The training worked, <laughs> you know? So I've had dogs where I let them off the lead, man. I don't see them for three days. I got to ask them, where you been? <laughs> you know, they come back, they're a little drunk. <laughs> Where's this dog been? <laughs> this was when I lived in, you know, like we moved out of New York City, went to Pennsylvania for a little while, and I was older. And man, I would let one of my dogs off the lead and one of them, they loved running away. They loved it. Loved making us worried. We'd go looking for them. You, put, you post the signs, missing. It was a Dalmatian that we, you know, of course we loved because we had it, but it was like the bane of my existence. So we would put up the sign, you know, missing Dalmatian. If you find it, keep it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We didn't do that. We wanted them back. We loved them, but it was kind of like one of those love-hate relationships. <laughs> so, so the Lord took pity on his people. Though they were faithless, he went to save them. And every single time, 
when that judge died, they turned back. They turned back to their corrupt ways, and they grew even more corrupt. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. And we need to see our own hearts. Paul reminds us over and over again, listen, don't judge the people in the world in the sense of like, oh, you're disgusting, whatever. He goes, listen, remember, you were once like them. What's the difference? That our God is gracious. And he called us out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. So instead, we should share the truth with them. Having compassion in our hearts for them. Now listen, I use the word compassion instead of sympathy. Because sometimes my sympathies lead me down the wrong path. But compassion is this, feeling your pain in my heart. So I have compassion on them. And then I ask, Lord, what should I do? And then I can intercede for them. And then the Lord tells me the game plan. Romans 3, verses 10 through 18, we'll read this. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. Romans 3. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. This is the New Testament. And then we read 23 through 25. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That's the difference between dirty people and those that love him. The difference is Jesus and what we decided to do with the information we were given, right? So that we wouldn't stand there in arrogant judgment and say, look at these dirty people. But instead, like Christ, say, look at these dying people dead in their sins. They don't know. Remember what the Lord said to Jonah when Jonah was angry that the Lord was going to save Nineveh. He was angry. And he said, I'm angry with you, Lord. Why are you angry with me, Jonah? Because you're compassionate and you're forgiving and you're going to forgive these people that were mean to my people. They hunt us. They skin us and they make our skin into their sofas. That's, that's true, by the way. 
I could understand Jonah's point. And then the Lord's like, but do you not have compassion for a city that doesn't know their right hand from their left? They are lost, Jonah. That's why they do these things. They're lost. And we sit and we say, dirty people, disgusting people. But instead, the Lord is saying, dying people. They need the truth, right? And who will go? Isaiah sat there and he heard the Lord. Who will go? And whom shall we send? And Isaiah said, send me, Lord. Willing and able. He was available. Like we talked about, he just needs one. He just needs one. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He said, because of these people, because these people have violated my covenant, which I made with their ancestors and have ignored my commands, I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died. I did this. The Lord's like, I set this up. I did this to test Israel, to see whether or not they would follow the ways of the Lord as their ancestors did. That is why the Lord left those nations in place. He did not quickly drive them out or allow Joshua to conquer them. So here's my last point. As long as your spiritual authority is around, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, as long as your spiritual authority is around, um, so take me for instance, I watched my spiritual parents, right? They, they were, there was like my mother, she's the one that taught me about Jesus, but then there were men and women in the church that were modeling Christ for me. Listen, you, you remember, my father, he didn't really follow Jesus at all. So I didn't have like a male figure in the home showing me how a godly man lives, right? But the church was filled with them. So I watched these men. And some of those men are still in my life today. They watch from the United States. And I watched the way that they treated me and my brothers and my sister how they loved us and asked us how we were doing. I was little. I was a minority in my church. Guys, I went to a church that was almost fully German and Norwegian. Do I look Norwegian to you? Man, I was like the token Spanish kid. We were the token Spanish family. We came late. Do you know what Germans tell you when you come late? <laughs> now they were kind to us. Though people did have comments, and I'm thinking to myself, even at that age, yo, my mom was getting seven children ready. <laughs> like, we came five minutes late. Ease off the little lady. She knows karate. <laughs> she didn't really, but she make it up. <laughs> right? But I grew up, and I remember, I remember godly men and godly women being kind to us, modeling Christ to us. So you may come from a broken home, but welcome to the growing family where we can learn from each other. There were times where my brothers were kind to me and they would remind me of Christ's love. 
where they would correct me when I was wrong. That's called accountability. And you know what? I've told you this before. They will still correct me. They don't care. They don't care that you call me Pastor Dave. And it's not like, you know, they're not respectful towards me or anything. They respect me at more than almost anybody else I've ever met. My brothers respect me and love me, right? But they will talk to me. Because sometimes we're, we're too shy to talk to each other about a, a serious problem that we may see in each other. Now, after church, I don't want to line up of 100 people saying, I got to talk to Pastor Dave, man. He got to fix up. All right? I'm only taking 10 of you. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I'm willing to hear. I don't want to live this life like an ogre that constantly uh, you know, offends everybody. I want to love God's people. So the Lord did this. So like I said, I watched my spiritual authority, right? Then came the day uh, that the Lord needed me to trust him. Not, not trust him through my mother, right? Not trust him through somebody that told me God will come through, right? A trouble came to me that the Lord saved for me. And he said, now, now my son, will you trust me? Mommy isn't here. Your spiritual parents aren't here. Are you going to trust me? Right? He did it to see if Israel was really for him because they would have trusted on him if Joshua was in the lead. But then Joshua wasn't on the scene anymore. And the Lord's like, now let me check your heart. Will you trust me? It's like uh, some of you guys work out like me. No, I'm kidding. I don't work out at all. Um, so, but some of you guys work out right? You work out, you go to the gym. Now imagine if you went to the gym and all you did was watch. <laughs> Sounds like my type of workout, except I wouldn't be watching. I'd be watching TV, <laughs> right? Imagine all you did was watch and you know, oh, that guy, he works out really well. That's great. Now there is a time for instruction to see how something is done, but you will not get any muscle or any tone on your body, if all you're doing is watching, there comes the day that you need to exercise. You need to live it. You need to go and do it, right? There's some of us that sit there and we watch YouTube videos about everything. Yo, I know how to fix an electrical tower if it goes down. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we got useless knowledge. Okay, you gonna go put that to work? No, I don't know nothing about electricity. I was just watching. You know, I've been watching a series. <laughs> okay. All right. Waste my day. All right. You know, and there's nothing wrong with watching things, but how much do you physically grow by just watching someone else work out? Do you physically grow? Like you go home after you watch a workout, man, man my pecs hurt. <laughs> you bugging, man. <laughs> so, you actually have to, there is a time for instruction and then there is a time to put it to practice, right? And now the Lord was visiting Israel and saying, now it's time for you little children to put it to practice. Do you remember what Joshua and all his people did? Now it's time for you. You're gonna trust me? And Israel showed them time and time again, nope, nope, nope. And guess what? The Lord was still compassionate. 
So do you find yourself failing today? Do you find yourself stuck in certain sins that you can't get out of? The Lord is still compassionate, but he wants to get you out. He wants you to stop. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to get strong by asking Jesus to forgive your sins, putting your trust in him. That's step one. We all know that. Those of us here that have put our trust in the Lord, we did step one. We don't need to do step one anymore ever again. We put our trust in him. He is our God. He is our savior, right? But step two is the one where we need to keep repeating and we need to stay strong by reading God's revealed word, the Bible. That's how we stay strong. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to live in obedience and repeat the process. Constantly repeat the process. Read his word. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to follow in obedience. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's not that difficult until you try it. Then you're like, I can't get this right. But the Lord's there to walk with you. And if you fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail again, I mean, you've wasted a lot of time, but the Lord still loves you. And he's not sitting there, okay, hey, it's okay that you fail. Just keep on going, keep failing. No, the Lord's like, it's okay. We're going to get it this time. You know, it's like when I take my girls out to go ride their bicycle, right? And I take off the, um, what do you call those things? Yeah, the cheater, cheater wheels. Yeah, the stabilizers. We call them training wheels in the States. That's why I always forget. I'm always like, oh, I don't know what they're called. So you take those off, man. I mean, you have to keep resilient because at first you're like, my child does not know how to balance. <laughs> how do you walk? <laughs> like... You know, you start out, but you can't show that to your child. You tell your child you're doing a good job. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody hits the tree 10 times. You know, no worry. No, but, but you have to inject hope into them. You have to tell them the truth, that if they keep practicing, they're going to be riding their bicycle. They're going to be on that. They'll be cycling all around, Right? But they, they don't have the confidence at first. And you have to tell you can do this. I know you can. Let's keep trying. Let's keep trying. Let's keep trying. There are some things in my life that I had to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And I learned from all the failures. And then I, when I rose up out of it, I said, ha-ha, we're here, Lord. <laughs> we're here. Uh, hold my hand. I don't want to fall back in. Only Jesus can stop that cycle. We need to remember and obey. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your warnings in Scripture, for your reminder, Lord. Lord, that at times we may be faithless, but Lord, you are faithful. And Lord, that you will help us. Lord, that we're not too young or too old to be willing. Lord, that we would be willing, able, and available. Help us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.